Hello, everybody. This is Danny Goodwin, executive editor of Search Engine Journal. Thanks so much for joining us today for this special podcast. So what is so special about this episode? Well, today I'm beginning a series of interviews where I talk to some of the top SEO professionals and digital marketing pros. Today's episode will be the first installment of my new Better Know and SEO Pro series. These are some of the people in our industry I think you better know about, and people I think you should get to know better. But we won't be talking about tactics and strategies, we'll be talking about their careers, the real-life struggles they faced and overcome, as well as the lessons they've learned along the way. So many people have some really extraordinary and compelling stories of how they got into search and built a successful career, and I want to share these stories with you. We, we hope that you will enjoy this special series, uh, so please tweet us at SEJournal or tweet me at Mr. Danny Goodwin. We would love to hear your feedback about this special series. Okay, in today's edition of Better Known SEO, I would like to welcome in Kelsey Jones. Kelsey Jones has been in the industry for 12 years. Currently, she is the Chief Marketing Strategist and Founder at Six Stories. She's also a subject matter expert at Digital Marketing Institute, where she's written two courses, SEO content and website optimization. And she's going to be working on a social selling course for them next. Besides being solo, Kelsey has also done agency work. And you may also remember Kelsey from Search Engine Journal, where she was executive editor from 2013 to 2017. She is currently a contributor at Salesforce, Woobox, Fiverr, Marketing Evolution, Taboola, and Co-Marketing. She's spoken at numerous conferences, including PubCon, State of Search, SEJ Summit, Digital Olympus, and NP Connect. And you should also make sure to check out Kelsey's live streaming course, livesocialmediacourse.com. Kelsey was also the co-author of the marketing textbook for Grand Canyon University in 2018. And Kelsey has also been a judge for the U.S. Search Awards for three years. She is at Wonderwall on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram, and Kelsey Childress on LinkedIn. And she is also one of SEJ's top 140 SEO experts you should be following. Welcome, Kelsey. It is great to have you here today. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me. It is awesome to talk to you again. Um, Fun fact, um, my first ever time as a guest on a podcast was with Kelsey back in 2016 (laughs) for Search Engine Journal, in which we talked about how journalism helps you write and edit for the web. So... Uh, I'll be sure to link that uh, link to that in the recap post for SCJ for anyone wants to, uh, you know wants to read that. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of great to bring the bring it all full circle here, where now I'm the host and you're the guest. So welcome. I know. Yeah. Yep. We kind of switched roles a little bit. We did indeed. <laughs> so yeah. cool. All right. So uh, yeah, let's get started. Um, so I'd like to start off uh, all this, this series by talking about you and your childhood, just to sort of kick things off in a fun way. So what was Kelsey like as a child? Man, um, I had a huge imagination, which I think helps me now. Um, but back then, I mean, I would invent like worlds and make my friends play with me like in elementary school. Um, I remember we had this Arctic world and all of us were different animals and I was always in charge. I think I was always kind of bossy. 
Um, hopefully I'm, I like, I like leading teams now, but hopefully I'm not bossy now. Um, but I always love to write. Um, I would write, you know, books in air quotes, you know, out of construction paper. Um, I'd always be coming up with stories that I tell my mom. And luckily my mom is in early education. So she was really supportive and, and knew how to listen to children. So I think that helped me kind of foster my creativity. Um, I did feel, I don't know, kind of like an outcast sometimes because I, I just had all these weird and crazy ideas and thinking, what if it did this? Or, you know, why do we do things this way? And my mom said, I would always ask those kind of questions. Um, so sometimes, you know, I would see adults furrowing their brow or wondering why I was saying what I was saying. But I really do think that that type of creativity helps me now. Very cool. It sounds like you're definitely an artist in the making right there. Um, so <laughs> did you did you have like one of the, you know, as your child, did you have a certain dream, like, you know, what you wanted to be when you grew up from a young age? Or was that not a thing that you maybe knew right away? Well, so at first I wanted to be a vet. And then my mom broke the news to me that you'd have to cut animals open if you wanted to be a vet. And I was not down for that. So then I, I fell back on writing and I always wanted to be an author. Um, so it's really cool that I actually basically get to do that now. Um, of course, I'm not writing, you know, storybooks or fantasies, but I am writing. So, yeah, I mean, that was something I always enjoyed doing. Awesome. Um, so what looking back, is there like one one thing you could point to is sort of like an on-brand thing that you did, sort of like a sign of things to come for you uh, in terms of what your career ended up being. Man, an on-brand thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like, okay, so in sixth grade, we had this teacher and she had her doctorate and her class was just beyond awesome. Like we did all these cool things. We would watch the news every day and then do write-ups about what was happening in the news. And then um, she asked us what our dream project would be. And I said that I, and this is such an on-grand like random kid thing to say, but I said I wanted to be in a rainforest because I was really obsessed with Fern Gully, which is a, uh, it's a really good movie from the nineties, I think, but basically it's about rainforest and deforestation. Anyway, she took that idea and ran with it. And we literally constructed a rainforest in our classroom. So we made these um, trees out of construction paper and vines that hung everywhere. And we basically created our entire classroom as a rainforest. And that just really sticks out to me now because I feel like a lot of times with clients or some of the cool stuff we did at SCJ, I would just come up with a cool idea and we would try it out. And that was one of the things I really liked at SCJ and particularly is the whole team there, you know, Lauren and Janice um, and Brent were always willing to hear your ideas and, you know, help you along the way if they thought it was a good idea. So anyway, that's probably something that I would say was an indicator that I, that, I, that, that with my career now is that I'm, a brainstorming creative person and it's always really cool when something takes off and it works for the business or it works for the client and they really like it. Very cool. Uh, love that. Okay. So what is the first piece of technology you remember being obsessed with as a kid? I mean, I have to say AOL instant messenger. I mean, that was like 
her jam back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I and so I remember um, in high school, you know, we had computer labs. You go to your computer lab. And so with AOL Instant Messenger, you had to have your bio just right and what you're interested in. And then I also remember getting an eBay account in high school. Um, and and so this was like, I went to high school. I graduated high school in 2004. So I got an eBay account and I was obsessed with eBay because you could find anything. Um, and I still use my same eBay username today. And it's so embarrassing, but it's Aber Punk Babe 04. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because of course, I graduated in 04. I, I loved Abercrombie and Fitch. And then I liked punk music. So, so embarrassing. But I have really good feedback on eBay. So I'm not going to switch my username. Absolutely. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, though. Very cool. Yeah, AOL Instant Messenger. Wow, that takes me back. Oh, my. Uh, right, I know. Yeah. Good times. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so what were you uh, so in high school? What were sort of your academic interests? So I did forensics um, freshman year, and I loved that. And mm-hmm. we, we got to travel and compete in events, so I did um, – mock congress so you had a topic and you had to prepare your arguments Mm. and then i did poetry um where you have to recite a poem and it's kind of in a dramatic way like it's a performance um so those are my two events and we would travel all over the state and we do um you know competitions and we won a couple times for mock congress but i never won for poetry Um, i'm sure i was pretty awkward and I remember we had a coach that he was obsessed with Quiznos, which I don't know if you guys have a lot of, or not Quiznos. Um, what was that pasta place? It's like a pasta place that is fast casual. Anyway, they didn't have it in Manhattan, Kansas, where I grew up. And mm-hmm. so everywhere we went, um, we had, oh, Fazoli's. That's what it's called. Fazoli's. He was obsessed with Fazoli's. So we had to go to Fazoli's at every city that had one. Um, so... <laughs> But that it was really fun. I mean, the coach was awesome, and it was it was just a cool experience. And then besides that, um, I did drama for three years. So I was in a bunch of the plays. Um, I was in Guys and Dolls, and we did Say Anything. And so I still love Broadway today. I have um, season tickets to the Broadway shows here in Kansas City, um, and we also did improv, which I think. I think it's something that everyone should do as an adult. I think it helps you um, think quick on your feet and be creative. Um, so I know that there's improv classes for adults um, and I should get back into that. But that was something that I really enjoyed as well. Very cool. Uh, so overall, looking back, do you think you were a good student? Oh, definitely. I was in National Honor Society. Um, I took AP classes. I took AP statistics instead of calculus in high school, mm-hmm. which I think was a good thing because I think statistics are way more useful than calculus. Um, but I think I had a 4.0 all through high school. School was never, high school at least, was never hard for me. College, that was a little different, but um, high school was fairly easy. Very cool. All right. So speaking of that, so did you take off any time after high school or did you go straight on to college? I went straight on to college. Oh, okay. So what, what, so, you know, I'm guessing there was no way to major in digital marketing uh, where you went because that's, you know, 
kind of, I don't know, is that even a thing now? I'm not sure. But um, so what did you sort of study and major in, in college? So I did, um, I started off in public relations and I didn't, I don't think it was what I was looking for. So I chose my major to English literature and creative writing. And then I also got a minor in women's studies. Hmm. Um, so yeah, and I went to Kansas State University um, there in Kansas, Manhattan, Kansas, the little hmm. apple. Um, so yeah, I mean, I loved college. It was definitely more challenging. Um, I wrote for the Collegian, which was the college newspaper for all four years. So I was an opinion columnist and I took the liberal side and then we had a conservative side and we would bat, you know, battle the issues. And then I also did news reporting and copy editing as well. Very cool. Uh, so looking back, what do you think were some of your big takeaways from college? Big takeaways. Yeah. Um, Maybe in terms of like how it may have prepared, prepared you for your career to come. I think college was a good place to feel supported in my creativity um, because I had a lot of teachers that were willing to let me do things differently. Like I remember I took one class um, that was about Ralph Waldo Emerson and Emily Dickinson. And for our final project, I asked if I could do a video essay instead of a written essay. And my teacher said yes. Um, so I would sometimes do out-of-the-box things like that mm -hmm. um, in terms of college projects. So I think it helped me realize, okay, there is a spot for my creativity and my crazy ideas, and they can work and people enjoy um, seeing them. And I think I also kind of realized that I did have talent as a writer. So I also, you know, because my major is creative writing, I took a lot of higher-level creative writing courses and a few stories. Um, one of our teachers was an actual published author and a few of my short stories, he said that they were the, some of the best he had read um, in his classes. And so I would get sometimes feedback like that. And so that kind of gave me the confidence to know, okay, I really love my major. I really love writing. You know, I, I think I can translate this into something, um, you know, as a career. Very cool. Now, before you got into SEO and marketing, did you uh, have any jobs? Yes. I. So my very first job, I was a busser at a restaurant, and then I was a waitress and a cashier in high school and college. Mm -hmm. um, I was a waitress at a brewery, which was really fun, mm. and I learned, you know, how to how they brew beer and everything like that, and then. Uh, before I moved to Kansas City, um, I had an internship with the K-State Career and Employment Office, and that was marketing and public relations. So that was really cool. And yeah, I mean, I've, I, I have a really strong appreciation for the service staff and, and being a server, you know, a waitress or a waiter, because it's really hard work, but it was also really good money. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a hard way to start, but uh, you know, you got to start. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Um, so, what would you say was your worst job? Do you have like one where you're like, oh god, this is you know so terrible. I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh geez. Um, 
I mean, ironically, I wouldn't say that about any of my part-time jobs because mm -hmm. I did like being a cashier at the grocery store and I did like serving. So I will say, and I won't name which job it is, but um, one of the last full-time jobs I had before I started working for myself, it was just a very like, I don't know, like male-centric culture. And um, mm -hmm. I was actually, I reported a coworker for basically sexually harassing me and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And um, there were just other little things like that, that I would try to talk to people about. And, you know, it just kind of fell on deaf ears. And so I don't know, I would say that that was probably one of the most toxic places I went to, or I had worked at. Um, and I think but I think that was a good thing in a way, not that I necessarily that I went through that, but it kind of puts things in perspective and helps you realize, um, you know, what you appreciate and what you can look for when working with other people or working at, you know, in another office. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's awful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. And I know, um, you know, we may get into it later, but you know, it's just, it's so ridiculous what women have to put up with in this industry. So, um, on behalf yeah. of all men, I would like to apologize <laughs> for the bros that made your life hell. Oh, <laughs> well, and, and I will, I mean, I want to get too off topic, but I will tell you, um, a story about that. So a few years ago, and this was years and years back when I was at that job, um, a few years ago, the guy who had been saying, you know, bad things to me, he re-added me on LinkedIn and I got all this anxiety about it. Um, but then I thought, you know what, I'm going to tell him how he made me feel because maybe he just doesn't know. And I sent him, I mean, a, a message on LinkedIn that I have always wanted to send in the years, you know, since I, he had done that to me. And I also said, he lives in my city still. And so I said, if, you know, if you ever see me, don't talk to me, like basically don't look at me, don't talk, you know, mm. don't acknowledge me. I don't want to talk to you. And so to me, that's a happy ending because I feel like I got closure mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe I was strong with my message, but I don't think he realized, you know, how the things he said affected me. And I just didn't want him to do that to anyone else. Yep. Good. That, that's awesome for so. you. Glad you get that. Yeah, that's good because you know a lot. A lot of times you don't even get that. So, awesome. yeah, and I don't. I didn't want to go too off topic, but I think it is important, you know, for for women to know that you do have the power Absolutely. to say something. And even if your voice is shaking or your heart's beating, um, or you, I mean, there's been other times where I'll send an email after the fact if I'm too scared to do it in person. Um, I, you have the power, and so. That's something, you know, that I've learned throughout my career, that it's important to speak up, yep. even if it's scary. Yep. Nobody deserves to take, you know, bullshit from anyone. So that's, that's, exactly. yeah. So no one, no one, no woman, no man either, you know, no one should, you know, yeah, no one should definitely. have to deal with that. You know, if, if you get into a career situation like that, you know, obviously, you know, it's hard for some people because, you know, you have to figure out, you know financially if you're able to quit but if not you know it's mm -hmm. always good to have a backup plan you know like always be networking and you know looking around just to always have a backup plan is what i've i've found to be really important so yes exactly and value yourself absolutely okay cool mm -hmm. all right so let's move along to your career in seo now so when did you first hear about seo oh man um 
So in 2009, I got a job at a traditional marketing agency. Well, we did mostly digital, but it was an agency format. And so that's where I kind of started learning it. Um, I had a really good mentor. His name's Jeremy. And he's actually one of my clients now, which is funny. But um, he he taught me literally the basics of SEO and PPC. And then I also launched the social media department at that agency. So they weren't doing social media for clients at all. And so I helped them launch that. So anyway, but I, I would say that that was really my first full, you know, education in SEO. I think I had kind of heard of it before, but didn't really understand too much. And he basically took me under his wing and taught me everything. Very cool. So what in particular sort of drew you to SEO and marketing? So funny enough, um, in seventh grade, I taught myself HTML and mm -hmm. I used my talents to build uh, websites on GeoCities, if any remember, anyone oh, remembers those. Love GeoCities. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did some fan sites for um, NSYNC, which is super embarrassing. And then um, this is even more embarrassing. I had a huge crush on Seth Green, oh. which I think he's like as tall as I am, which is fine. But um, he, I just thought he was so dreamy because um, I loved Austin Powers. And so anyway, I created these fan sites and taught myself HTML. And then in high school, I took website design for two years. Um, there and so I so coming into my professional career and and learning from Jeremy um, you know I already knew HTML and so I think that kind of spurred my interest in SEO that you know okay all this stuff I've learned with HTML you can actually use it you know to be more present in search results and you know help your website get more traffic and so that always appealed for me because before then I had created websites just on my own time, you know, for fun. And so to actually do it where it can make an impact for a client was really cool to me. And that, that really appealed to me as well. Mm, very cool. Uh, so let's, let's get into your career a little bit. So what was the, so what was the first job in SEO? So let's see here. So your first, your first official job, would that be the, the marketing coordinator role at uh, Autobahn? Yeah, that was still in college and okay. we didn't do, um, we didn't really do SEO. Like I would do website and email um, updates and marketing, mm -hmm. but I would say where it was like actual SEO was probably at Big Shot Interactive. Okay. And so, and that's where I learned from Jeremy. Okay. So that would be like your first, first real job you can, you'd say? Well, in SEO, I mean, in I SEO. had a job. A full-time job before that where I was in marketing but it was a lot of direct marketing so flyers mm -hmm. and email marketing and so yeah I would say Big Shot was probably my first quote real job in gotcha. SEO okay so from that job um, you know well obviously you picked up a lot of SEO but was there anything else from that job that you learned that you know sort of helped you later on in your career hmm well, I think, you know, I learned how to interact with clients and mm -hmm. navigate client expectations and what you can offer to clients. And I kind of started learning how to do, you know, competitor research and keyword research and all of that stuff. So I think learning that in that environment was really cool because then I've taken those skills and improved them over the years. And that's 
you know, some of the same stuff I do for clients now. Mm -hmm. so what would you say, like going in, like in your first couple of years and, and both digital marketing or SEO, whichever, uh, like what were your, some of your early challenges that you had to uh, sort of overcome? Um, I think, so I think I wasn't taken seriously a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was just because of my experience um, or maybe it was because I was a woman. I don't know. But I would um, have all these great ideas or I would make money for clients and I never seemed to get a raise or get paid fairly. And so I think that that was always kind of a struggle for me that I knew I was doing good work, but I don't think I was being paid fairly. Um, and I, I honestly feel like the first place that I felt like embraced you know the first real job that embraced my creativity and you know paid me fairly and it was an awesome like place for me where i felt appreciated was search engine journal mm -hmm. um, because i just felt like the team just loved hearing new things and everyone was so positive and so um that i really felt validated professionally i think working at sej because it it let me grow and feel like I'm worth something, you know? <laughs> right. Um, okay, cool. So then for Big Shot, um, did you have like a sort of a proudest moment or, a, you know, like kind of a really great achievement there that you look back on uh, that you're really happy about? Um, we had launched a community site for people who had had weight loss surgery because one of our clients was a weight loss surgery clinic. Mm -hmm. And they named me like editor-in-chief um, and I'm putting that in air quotes as I'm talking. Um, so I managed the whole site and it was really awesome to see a site like start up a membership and publication site from scratch mm. and have like the budget to recruit experts to have content and moderate the forums and see new users coming on. And that site isn't running now, but I think that was an awesome experience to be able to be a part of growing something from scratch. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, okay, so then you're in your next role. I see here you were at Vin Solutions as the search and social media marketing manager. So what can you tell me about that role? Um, uh, is, was there anything there, like new skills you developed or anything that you sort of look back on as, uh, you know, like a, a sort of an evolution in your career? So in that role, that was my first role where I um managed people so i um people working underneath me and so i think that that was really helpful because that's kind of helped me shape my management style now so whenever you know i work with contractors or i have some part-time people um or if i'm ever in a role again where i'm a manager or director somewhere um i think that kind of helped me figure out what okay what is a man what is a manager and from my perspective look like what would I want out of a manager? Um, what's the line between, you know, being friends with your employees and being their manager? Um, how do I navigate the hiring process? I mean, that was the first place where I was given, you know, the responsibility to interview people. So I had to come up with questions and, you know, conduct the interviews and all of that. So that was really cool to, um, you know, get that experience there in more of a traditional company because I think that definitely helped me down the road. 
Mm-hmm. Now, as being a manager for the first time, did you discover, like, I mean, obviously you were talking about in your prior roles, you were learning sort of like the basics of the you know SEO stuff. Now, this is like adds a whole new aspect to it. So what did you when you started managing people, what did you find as sort of, you know, maybe one or one of your biggest challenges in terms of, you know, just being able to, um, you know, properly manage people? Um, I mean, I think it goes back to like what I touched on before with the hard stuff um, is is feeling like I. I don't know. I was not necessarily worthy in that position, but like I deserved that role and I and taking command of it and having more confidence. Um, I think realizing, you know, people put you in that position because they trust you and they know you'll do a good job. And it, it took me a while to kind of get that confidence. Um, I think, you know, as I think SEJs kind of touched on this with their mental health calms, but feeling um, like you have imposter syndrome, I think I struggled with that, especially as I started managing people and then at SEJ, um, you know, getting more visible in the industry. And so that was definitely something right off the bat at Venn Solutions that I struggled with. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Now, I think I may have jumped ahead. Now, it looks like you've officially started your, well, I guess it wasn't called Six Stories originally, if I remember correctly, right? It was called, what was it before? Moxie. It was Moxie Dot. Yeah. Moxie Dot. Okay. So um, tell me about deciding to go out on your own with that. What made uh, what made you want to do that? So I had always been freelancing um, ever since I got out of, outside of college because mm-hmm. or graduated from college um, because I just was kind of bored. You know, in college I was used to going to school full time and having several jobs. You know, writing for the Collegian. I had my internship and then I was a server. So anyway, I started freelancing back then, and um, my first client was actually Yelp. So they were just launching in Kansas City and I was a scout for them. So um, I edited descriptions. I wrote new reviews that were impartial, you know, totally my opinion, Um, took photos, helped, you know, make sure that hours of operation and all that stuff was correct. So they were my first freelance client. And so ever since, you know, 2008 to when I officially went out on my own and quit, uh, my Vin Solutions full-time job in 2011. I had freelanced on the side that whole time. And mm-hmm. so um, eventually at 2011, it was kind of a tipping point. And I had a business partner at that time um, that she was just coming out of college. And so we decided to just go for it. And, and she had the flexibility to kind of be more of the sales person. And I could work on more of the client stuff to kind of build our business up. But it it got to a point while I was working at Vin Solutions that I needed to just, you know, cut bait and, and leave. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's kind of, you know, where, how it evolved, I guess. And it's a funny story. So I had been wanting to, um, you know, go full time on my own for a while, but we were going to buy a house, my husband and I. And so the day after we signed, our mortgage and closed on our house, I quit my full-time job, which I know sounds crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it sounds insane, but um, my husband, you know, believed in me and, and I had clients, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. just sitting there with nothing to do. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that was like the start of everything. So here we were moving and I was launching my business and, um, 
yeah, I mean, it all worked out. <laughs> that's awesome. That, yeah, that, that's just great. And it's also great that you have that support where it's just like, you know, you have that person in your corner. So uh, that's very awesome. I like that. Okay, cool. So you did that. Um, now, how, I was just curious, how, how did you come up with the moxie.name? Where did that come from? So I wanted something with moxie because I thought that that was just like a cool word to integrate. And then dot, I was thinking dot com. And it's really hard. I don't know if you've ever had to name a business, Danny, but it's so hard to come up with business names. Yes. Um, so after like a long struggle, um, I came up with that. And I, I had to change my business name. Um, well, so first off, I wanted to focus more on content and the content side of marketing, which I think is still SEO still plays a major part of that. But I also um, got t contacted by a company that uses Moxie in their name. And, um, you know, we decided, oh, we're kind of in the same field. We probably both shouldn't be named such a close name to each other. And so that was kind of why I moved on to a new business name. Gotcha. Um, six stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's it's a very crowded marketplace nowadays. So it's bound to be yeah. people people tripping all over each other with names. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So very cool. Okay. So uh, so for a while there, you're sort of just doing freelancing. So how did you um, sort of get into um, into a search engine journal? How did that sort of come up as an opportunity for you? So I started off SCJ as a news writer and I got hired the same time as Matt Southern, who I know is still the awesome oh, wow. news writer SCJ. Yeah. yeah, I love him. Um, so we got hired at the same time because I think, and I guess Janice or Lauren can correct us, but I think they just couldn't decide between us because um, we're both so great apparently. <laughs> and, uh, I'll confirm. And so we, <laughs> Thank you. So we um, just both start at the same time. And then from there, so I'm someone that I am like always picking at things. And I like going back to what I mentioned in my childhood, I'm always like, why do you do things this way? Or have you tried it this way? Or what if we did this? And so I kind of started doing that at SCJ. Um, there wasn't really an editorial uh, process in place and the editorial guidelines that you guys have now those weren't there. And I just kind of started asking questions and, you know, about that and like what else I could do to be involved because I had read search engine journal, you know, for years, ever since my starting my career um, in SEO, you know, in 2009, I had always read search engine journal. So for me, it was a huge deal to work at SEJ. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think asking those questions kind of helped me, you know, and promoted me up the ranks eventually to executive editor. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, um, yeah, what do you think? So what do you take away sort of as your overall experience? Um, uh, it's also cool. I was just thinking, too, like you were talking about earlier about your childhood, how you were watching, uh, I think, is the news you mentioned and writing up stories. Mm -hmm. So that very much prepared you for that role as a news writer in a way, too, which is yeah. really cool. But so, and, yeah, of course, and of course, your college experience. So it's kind of cool how all that stuff really kind of connects when you really think about it like this. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's very cool. So, um, yeah, so, and also that's so great when you're talking about asking questions too. I've found that as the best way, um, you know, to just figure out what's going on because, you know, sometimes when you're at a place, um, you know, they've just done things for a certain amount of time and they're just, you know, sort of stuck in the way. So it's like if when someone new comes along and says, hey, why are you doing it this way? It's like kind of a wake-up call. So I think that's really awesome that you did that. Um, 
and yeah, very cool. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, so as you so yeah, as you moved along, so um, what did you sort of uh, I don't know, what were some of your challenges with SEJ when you first took over as as the executive editor? What were what was sort of and maybe like what some some of your goals or like yeah, what was your mindset as you began? I mean, I kind of felt like I was I was a, it was kind of like full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many things we could be doing. Um, and let's do them because I think it was kind of like business as usual. And I kind of came in as like a bull in the China shop with all my questions and wanting to do more. And so, you know, over the years that I was executive editor, um, you know, we launched this podcast that we're on now. Mm-hmm. Um, we launched a webinar series, which you guys still do, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we did SDJ summit, the conference series. Um, we did live streaming. So Facebook um, live streaming was something that was kind of sort of new as I was, you know, in SEJ as executive editor. So we started doing stuff with that. Um, Caitlin, who used to be the social media manager for you guys, she did a weekly news show called SEJ Live on Facebook every week. Um, we live streamed uh, some of the Ask Me Anything panels at SEJ Summit. Um, and that was really awesome. And it was just cool to try new types of content like that mm-hmm. and see how it played out and if our audience liked it. Um, we started the Twitter polls, which I don't know if you guys still do it, but we did um, the SCJ Twitter polls and then would turn that into content. Um, and so that kind of stuff was all stuff that we did while I was at SCJ. So out of all that stuff, do you sort of have a proudest moment or something like what what would you sort of consider your one of your greatest maybe not the greatest but like one of your one of your greatest achievements because you know obviously you did a lot with SCJ but is there anything in particular you're proud of? I mean, it's been really cool to see you guys grow, and I know you have way more page views than um, SCJ had had back when I was executive editor, and so it's cool to see how. Um, SCJ has just grown as a whole because I still have a lot of respect for SCJ and I love SCJ, of course. And I just, it's cool to, that I was kind of part of a ball that got rolling, I guess. And I'm not taking credit for everything you guys have done since I've been gone, but it's just cool to like see that some of the initiatives we did are still going on, mm-hmm. you know, like this podcast or the webinar series. And so I think my proudest moment is just like, being able to be a part of that and work with a really cool team um, that I did and, um, you know, meet so many cool people and so many, you know, industry experts. I mean, I feel like in SEO, a lot of times we tend to um, deify certain people in search. Like I remember I went to a conference and Matt Cutts was there and people were just freaking out and surrounding him. <laughs> like he was Brad Pitt or something. Yeah. And, um, so one of the coolest things that SEJ was getting to meet all these people that I had looked up to for years and years and and realized that they're just everyday ordinary people that know their stuff and are really smart, but you know, they have the same fears we do and they have faults, you know, just like I do. And, you know, starting to count some of those people as friends um, has been really cool. And so I don't know, that was something that I think I've enjoyed since being at Search Engine Journal is just being now part of a community. Um, I feel like the SEO community, everyone is so welcoming and it seems 
um, intimidating at first, but you know, really everybody just wants to help each other. So if you're ever, ever at a conference and want to ask a speaker something, I can tell you from experience as a speaker and knowing, you know, people that speak, they want to, they want to help. They uh, go ahead and ask them that, you know, your questions are not going to be like annoyed or anything like that. And so, I don't know, just kind of being part of the community and, and being more involved in that way was really cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, I, you know, since I am the executive editor now, I know this myself that, you know, there are a lot of moving parts involved with being an editor at a publication like this. So what was, what was some of your, I don't know, either biggest challenges or were there any like, frustrations where you're like, oh, um, I don't know, is it maybe contributors or is it, oh, we, you know, whatever the case may be, is there anything where you're just like, oh, I've had enough of this? And <laughs> <laughs> um. So I really, 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 really hated when people would try to pull one over on us and sneak in links to clients Mm -hmm. or um, people would put in paid links. Um, I remember one columnist who she put in links in uh, white text at the bottom of an article. And so it was a sentence that had white text that linked to something. And luckily... um, one of the assistants, Rena, had found it because she looks at the source code in every post. And so, I mean, that kind of stuff just made me so mad wow. because I think I love SCJ so much. And and we all as a team put our blood, sweat and tears into this publication. And it just to have someone trying to um, slip one past you or lie to you. I mean, I and I had uh, contributors who, you know, the first round of edits, we'd have edits for them and and then um, they'd make their edits that we requested and say it's ready. And then you'd look and then that's when they would insert a paid link. Mm. I mean, it was things like that that just really um, got me fired up because it's like we, as you know, Danny, I mean, mm-hmm. it is a lot of work, like editing everybody's posts, reviewing, leaving thoughtful feedback. And to have somebody not honor that is just frustrating because I feel like we're honoring them and respecting them um, and are so grateful that, you know, they were a contributor to SEJ and to, to not feel that respect back was kind of frustrating at times. Yeah. And I know you couldn't see it, but when you were telling me about that thing with the white text, my, my jaw was literally <laughs> hanging open. I was like, what? It's an old school, an old school tactic. Seriously. that That's like old school spamming <laughs> right there. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's kind of it is kind of a thankless job, but you know, I I I would I don't want to talk for you, but you know, it's like I, I feel like you know, if people are going to spend the time writing for us, we want to make them look good because when we make them look yeah. good, they you know it makes us look good. So it's like, and it helps you know so many people too. When you think about it, you know, if an article gets a thousand reads or you know whatever it may be, that's like a thousand mm-hmm. people that you may have helped with this one piece yeah. of content and it's just, you know, it, it's, just, it's just such a great, great job. I, you know, despite, you know, some of the <laughs> shadier characters, <laughs> but yes, we always yeah. have, we always have to weed them out. And uh, next time we're at a conference, I'll have to tell you a story about uh, plagiarism, but this is about <laughs> you, not me. So awesome. um, yeah, <laughs> because you know, people have to steal content. That's so awesome. But anyway, so yes, unfortunately your time with SCJ, had to come to an end. And so at that point, 
what, what sort of made you decide that you wanted to just sort of go off on your own and stop doing SCJ? Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, and this might be a fault of mine, but sometimes I'm, I'm looking for the next thing I can do and the next thing I can accomplish. And I felt like there was a lot of opportunities out there to work more with clients and to, um, you know, develop strategy and maybe I could help them, you know, create an editorial strategy. And so I, I left SCJ because it was turning, I mean, it was a full-time job, but it was turning even more into that where I didn't have time for other client stuff because when I had taken the executive editor role, um, you know, Janice graciously allowed me to also have clients, you know, as well as SEJ. And so that was fine for, you know, a long time. But then towards the end, um, I still wanted to do client work because I feel like that keeps me fresh as an SEO and a marketer. And it helped me in my role at SEJ too as the executive editor, because then if I was actually doing, you know, SEO campaigns for clients, um, then I think that made me kind of know more about, you know, the content that, excuse me, that people were contributing. And so, I just kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, I either need to stop one or the other and, you know, what am I going to do? And it was, it was really hard, you know, a hard decision to make. And, you know, over the years I think about, was that the right decision? I don't know, but um, I do enjoy having clients and getting the opportunity to work on, you know, the projects that I have now. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to work with a lot of cool clients um, since leaving SEJ. And so, um, yeah, it was a hard decision and I still love you guys and there's no drama or any like secret hidden story. Mm -hmm. That's really what happened. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it's all good now. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And we still love you, of course. I hope, I hope you know. Oh, that. thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So moving on. So you did that and I see you're also doing some other stuff here. So, Looks like you were a subject matter expert consultant for a couple of places. So tell me about that. How, how does one become a subject matter expert? I mean, I didn't even know what that was until they started calling me that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so basically I did that for Grand Canyon University and that's where, um, and this was all, you know, contract based. Um, but I helped them write that textbook, which you mentioned um, in my intro. Mm -hmm. And then I also helped them develop a 300 level course on marketing. So Min uh, Mindy Weinstein, who I know she used to contribute to SEJ. I don't know if she still does, but does she it. referred me there. Yeah. And now she's a professor full time at Grand Canyon University. But um, so anyway, I, I helped them develop a course on marketing and then write um, the textbook for one of their other marketing classes. And so they called me a subject matter expert there. And then I also um, am called that, I guess, technically for the work I've done for Digital Marketing Institute, which I know you mentioned again in my intro. Mm -hmm. So writing the modules for them, um, the courses for their uh, digital marketing professional certification. Um, so what they do is they have these experts, um, you know, write the courses and then they have a panel that evaluates everything and makes sure that the information, you know, that we're sharing in the course is correct. And so um, it's been really cool to kind of be a part of that and, and be more on the academic or teaching side. Um, so with Grand Canyon and Digital Marketing Institute, you know, I'm, I've been more of a teacher um, if you want to call it that. And and then the speaking that I've done as well has kind of helped me 
um, be more of like a teacher and instructor um, in this space. And so, I don't know, I've really loved doing that is kind of sharing the examples of what I've learned, um, especially if people find it useful. Um, because I know that in SEO and digital marketing as a whole, sometimes there's some information, uh, misinformation, or you don't really know um, what's correct because some stuff is subjective. And so any advice I can give that helps people, um, that's that's been something I've enjoyed doing. Excellent. Now, there's one other thing on here, and I was curious. So there's something called Story Show that you're the founder of. Now, you also have your six stories. So I was wondering, how do, how do these two companies, uh, how are they different from each other? And, uh, you know, what was sort of the thinking behind having a Story Show versus having six stories? So Story Show is kind of is a sub company of six stories and okay. I need to do more with it. Um, I haven't been doing enough, but I realized that um, there was a niche for news content um, for companies. So there's a lot of value in writing con industry news content for your website. Mm -hmm. So, um, for instance, Joe Hall um, I he was a story shout client. And so basically every week we would submit an article for him covering something in the SEO industry that maybe hadn't been covered a lot. Um, but then there's uh, we've had other clients in other industries um, where it's basically industry news content. So think about, you know, what Matt Southern does on SEJ, but it'd be for, you know, manufacturing or Internet of Things or technology, um, things like that. So. I, I wanted to make Story Shout kind of its own separate thing because I think there's a lot of value in having, um, a, you know, an experienced news writer who has a journalism background write news style stories for your website because writing a news story is totally different than a long form story. I mean, the whole voice, uh, what you lead with, your sources, everything like that. So um, that's why it kind of branched into its own company. and. It's kind of been put on the back burner with all the speaking I've done and some of the other client work for Six Stories, but um, I do think that there is a demand and a niche out there um, for news content for companies. Definitely, it's definitely an underutilized area that you know many companies could easily jump into. So, exactly. Yeah, very interesting. Very cool. Um, yeah. So now, basically, so your main focus is essentially then just uh, Six Stories right now. Yeah, and um, just writing for clients, doing SEO audits. I do some social media, um, but a lot of it lately has been content development and strategy. Mm -hmm. And you're enjoying it, loving it? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, sometimes there's articles where it's like, write a 2000 word article on, you know, XYZ. And, and the further I get in my career, I get assignments that are a lot more complex and they take a lot more research. And so, you know, there are some days when you don't feel like writing and um, those days I'll either reschedule my writing work or I might use voice typing and Google docs instead of um, actual typing. Um, so there are days where I think as any creative person probably experiences, um, you know, writer's block or you're just not really feeling it, excuse me, or something else is going on, you know, in your personal life that maybe is distracting you. Um, so so those kinds of things, you know, do come up occasionally. But I still really like the variety that comes from um, having clients and and trying new things um, with them. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. So. 
You you mentioned briefly, uh, you know, in passing that we have this mental health column, which we call Friday Focus. So uh, one of the one of the reasons that we started that was to sort of highlight that, you know, and that sort of ties in with the series that I'm doing, too, which is that, you know, a lot of the times the people who are sort of considered the rock stars of the industry, it's like sort of, you know, with a resentful tone. But um, the whole idea is like showing that, you know, as as we've sort of walked through here, Kelsey's had a long career where, you know, a lot of jobs along the way and picking up a lot of skills. Um, and one of the questions I I always love to ask people is, was there ever a point in your career where you were just like truly struggling and you're like, is this, is this marketing thing, this SEO thing, is this right for me? Um, and did you ever have one of those moments? And if so, how did you sort of overcome it? And what did you learn from it? I mean, I always knew writing was right for me. Mm -hmm. um, but there, I mean, okay, so my first full-time job out of college um, I worked for Fred Pryor and I got laid off because it was during the recession mm. in 2008 and I, they laid off 30% of their company. I think it was, and I was the newest member in the marketing department. So I had to go. Um, so that was so hard for me because it is so hard not to take that personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, they literally looked at a list of people and said, well, let's cut Kelsey. I mean, it's hard not to think to yourself, they cut me because I wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, thinking of it back, you know, they had to make that that hard choice. Um, but that was really hard for me. Um, luckily, I had been freelancing on the side, like I mentioned. So I tried to just hustle and get more work there. And I remember thinking at the time I lived by myself. I was myself and my dog. And we lived in this terrible apartment because I didn't know the good areas of Kansas City. Um, I had just been there a couple times because um, my hometown is two hours west of Kansas City. Um, so anyway, I picked this apartment in the shady kind of part of Kansas City because I didn't know and I had my dog, luckily. Um, but it was kind of isolating because I was still I was dating my now husband, but he was still at Kansas State. So um, I was just kind of alone and to not have a job um, and just be totally completely by yourself um, in this like studio 600 square foot apartment um i i did feel isolated at times and it was really hard not to take it personally like am i ever going to get a full-time job again um does anyone really care what i have to say do i really have talent do i know what i'm talking about um so my goal was if i could just make a hundred dollars a day um that was enough for me to pay all my bills mm -hmm. and so i I mean, that's all, that's what I would work for is I would, you know, find, um, so I think eHow is still alive, but back when I, um, <laughs> when I, at this time, eHow, like there was a demand marketplace where you could claim articles on for, to write for eHow. And so I would do that. I mean, I would claim all these crazy articles that I had no idea what they were talking about, like, um, how to repair your bicycle. And they were probably like $50 an article or something or 30. And I would take those. And that was to help me meet my $100 goal. Mm. Um, and I I even took assignments that 
um, were pretty shady. Like I had a blog where this company did reputation management, so but it was in the wrong way, I think. So they wanted to push down negative search results. And so they would task us with assignments to write um, just fluff pieces about their clients to kind of help hopefully push down the search results. And so I remember one time, um, and this is, I'm, it made me quit this client. It was kind of a turning point, which I'll, I'll talk about, but um, they wanted me, so I always Googled the person after they gave me the name or the business name, because I was just curious, you know, what did they do wrong? And so this one guy had a taxi company and he was being accused of molesting um, a minor family member. Mm. And so he had hired this company to basically scrub the internet or push down the results of that case so far down that hopefully nobody would find them. And that just kind of crossed the line for me. And I think that was kind of my turning point um, that I was like, you know what? Yes, I'm desperate. I have to make, you know, $100 a day to live, you know, because no one was supporting me. My parents didn't support me or anything, but I can't be selling my soul, you know, and if, if things sound shady or don't make me feel good, it's not worth it, even if I need the money. And so that was kind of my turning point. And that's when start things started kind of looking up for me. And eventually I got the job at Big Shot. But I remember after I quit that shady um, reputation management job or whatever, I would go to the casino and um, I'm, I'm an okay blackjack player, <laughs> but I would take a hundred dollars out of my checking account, which I probably only had like $200 in my checking account. Mm -hmm. And I would play and if I could double my money and make a hundred dollars I would leave wow. and so I didn't do that all the time it's not like I was this hardcore gambler but there were times when I would you know drive up drive up to the casinos play blackjack if I could make a hundred dollars then that was you know a hundred dollars I didn't have before mm. um, so that was a low time because I was desperate but I think it was also a time where I started to believe in myself and kind of realize my values and um, what I'm worth and that, you know, people will pay me for my writing and I just have to keep hustling and, you know, applying to full-time jobs and applying to freelance jobs and it's gonna work out. I mean, when you're in that space, that's all you have to think, you know, that's all you have is hope is, excuse me, I guess hope and hustle um, is like, I'm gonna work really hard, do as much as I can, but I have to think it's gonna work out because I don't wanna think of, you know, the flip side of that and it not working out. And so luckily everything worked out. Um, but that really was a time where it was really hard not to fall into depression because depression runs in my family. And so, you know, just being isolated physically living by myself and so far away from my friends and my boyfriend, um, and my family and knowing that I was, you know, let go from a job because they determined that I wasn't worthy of saving, um, it would have been really easy for me to get really depressed. Um, and so I'm grateful that, you know, I, I managed to just kind of heads down and focus on everything and moving forward. And it eventually worked out. Mm, wow. That's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Cool. So next, I wanted to talk a little bit about since, you know, we mentioned at the start that you've spoken at a lot of conferences. So I want you to sort of rewind the clock a little bit and tell me about maybe your first uh, your first speaking engagement. Do you, you know, do you remember what it was? Were you nervous? What did you speak about? And, you know, sort of looking back, like how you've sort of grown from where you started as a speaker. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm thinking. So at Big Shot, we used to do um, team learning events like lunch and learn. So you had to present there. So I remember I spoke to my team about social media and um, I think that was probably like the first like professional kind of, you know, public speaking event I had. But then um, I did a webinar for SEJ and I remember, I don't remember what it was about, um, but I was so nervous and it didn't, I mean, I don't think I was as good of a speaker, obviously, then as I am now. And um, I don't remember what it was about, but I remember Janice giving me all this feedback and Danielle, who was um, one of the editors when I was there, um, they gave me all this feedback and you could tell they were trying to be like helpful and positive, but there were just a lot of things I needed to work on, um, such as saying like, which I still say sometimes, you'll probably hear that in this podcast, or um, uh, when I'm just about to ready to say um, but so I think that was the first time and I was so nervous. I mean, when you're representing a company and not just on your own, um, that's more no, nerve wracking because you're, you know, people are, are basing their opinion on a company whether, I mean, whether or not you do well. And, and maybe that's a little, you know, over dramatizing, but that's how I felt. And so after that, I had got a book and I'm going to look it up. It's about um, how Steve Jobs um, was a speaker, like his public speaking skills. And for some reason, that book alone really, really helped me. Okay, it's called The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. Mm. And I listened to the audiobook and I don't know, it just, the, the author walks through how he structured his presentations whenever he spoke for Apple releases or whatever. And that, that book for some reason just really helped me. And I remember I had to do another webinar um, with Janice and she just thought, she just said, wow, what is so different? Like, what did you do? Um, Cause I was markedly better. And so I think that helped me. And then just kind of doing it more and more, you get more comfortable with it. Very cool. Um, so let's talk about writing a little bit. So when, when you were first, you know, getting into writing for SEO and digital marketing. Were there any uh, any people who sort of influenced your style, or you know, just people that you love to read? Um, and what's what's your general approach uh, for people who might want to get into writing? Like, um, you know, are there any tips you could maybe give people in terms of uh, you know, you know, how to decide what to write a blog about? Hmm. Okay. So getting started. So. Uh... When I worked at Big Shot, I started a blog and I covered news in the search um, industry. And so I kind of used that as a portfolio to start getting both freelancing work. And then I also found Greg Sterling's email address. And at the time he was at Search Engine Land. Um, I, I think he was like, I don't know if he's editor in chief, but he was an editor there. And I found his email and asked him if I could write for Search Engine Land. And um, he gave me a chance based on um, what I had covered on my own blog. And so that kind of helped me. I think that kind of snowballed into everything else. Like I'm sure whenever I applied for search engine journal, I used samples that I had written for search engine land and my own blog. Um, so I would say starting out, have uh, a portfolio that you can refer to um, whenever you're applying for jobs or you're wanting to guest blog places. And I would say, try to be a guest blogger somewhere um, if you're not writing thoughtful content on your blog. So um, I, cause I've gotten client leads from 
um, whenever I worked at Search Engine Land, uh, people would email me wanting to work with me or wanting me to write for them. So I think there is value in guest blogging on industry blogs. Um, as long as it's useful and you're not trying to be shady, like I said before. Um, and um, let's see, what else did you ask? Tips for writing? Yeah, just general tips in terms of, you know, if, because I get this a lot. It's like, I want to write, but I don't know what to write about. You know, that's like the common thing. It's like, so as, as, as someone who's really good at coming up with ideas, like maybe, you know, how do you do it? I think I... So if I have a question, and this goes back to me just being a curious person, if I have a question about how something works, I've kind of realized that somebody else probably has that question. Mm -hmm. So if let's say you're using something in Google Analytics and you don't like it or you figured out a report that works better, write about that. Um, or if you have, if you want to learn something, I would do this a lot, um, is if, you know, I don't know, Google Analytics launched something new and I wanted to learn about it, I would then volunteer to write about it for, you know, SEJ or co-marketing or one of my other clients. And that would force me to learn it. Mm. So if there's anything that you want to learn about, um, but don't really have the, the excuse to, you shouldn't turn it into a writing assignment. Mm. Um, and then also I rely a lot on content generation tools. So um, I've recommended BuzzSumo so much, they should probably make me like the evangelist or something, but <laughs> BuzzSumo is um, one of my favorite tools for research. So they just, you can put in a topic and it shows you articles that have been shared about that topic the most on social media, and that's good for generating ideas. Um, and I would also look at um, keywordtool.io. I use SEO research tools like SEMrush, um, SERPstat I've used before. Um, I think Keyhole is one. Just And there's tons of free tools out there. Like uh, Portent has a topic idea generator. RYP Marketing has one. I'm just looking at my bookmarks. So I would look at free tools like that where I'd put in a topic that I know I want to write about or maybe that I specialize in and kind of brainstorm from there. And then I also keep a list in Evernote of running ideas. And I do lists for ideas of all kinds of stuff. Like I have ideas for articles. I have um, ideas for books, you know, nonfiction and fiction books that maybe I want to write someday. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having a list and keeping it on a cloud-based app where you can look at it on your computer and on your um, phone or anything, you know, any device you're on is really important because you never know when you're going to, need it cool. and and want to look at it yep um and then are there any uh, do you have like any recommendations in terms of how uh people can learn more about digital marketing like are there any resources that you follow it could be a blog or it could be a person on social media books podcasts um is there anything that you'd sort of recommend to people um you know how they can stay current today well, I like looking at Twitter lists and I don't know if anybody, I know people still use Twitter lists, but I don't know how popular it is, but I like looking at, um, I know SCJ did one for the experts to follow. Mm -hmm. um, excuse me, Mark Traphagen has one called Best Digital Marketers. It has 300, over 300 people. Um, I've subscribed to that one. Um, there's some that are, you know, women in search, SEO experts to follow. 
um, things like that. So Twitter lists I'll look at. Um, let's see, blogs. God, I mean, there's so many blogs out there. I love Buffer's blog. Um, so I'm trying to think of ones that, you know, everybody's that are outside of what everybody says. So I love Buffer's blog. They have a few different blogs. So they have one on um, working openly and then I, they have one on social media. And I think they're both really well written and have really good articles. Um, I think just reading as much as you can. Um, so one thing I do, and I've done this for years, is I will have an audiobook in my car at all times during the week. Mm. So I check out audiobooks from the library. And Monday through Friday, anytime I'm driving somewhere, it'll be on. And I, I end up listening to one book a week that way. Um, and I, I find that nonfiction books are a lot more interesting in audiobook version. So I will read books on owning a business, being more productive, um, anything about marketing. I listened to um, that one book about Google's history. It's, it's pretty old now, but I listened to that. So anything that you're more interested about being better with, so whether it's marketing or working more productively or efficiently or time management, um, those kind of things I think are easier to listen to rather to, than read. Um, and then of course, podcasts. I mean, there's tons of, of good podcasts out there that I think people work really hard on. And I think it's worthwhile to listen to podcasts as well. You know, when you're exercising or cleaning or um, I don't know, doing random things like gardening, mowing the lawn, you could be listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, now let's move on to a few fun questions to sort of round out our interview. So if you weren't in search, what profession do you think you would love to do instead? If you couldn't do marketing or SEO, what would you want to do as like your dream fallback career? Uh, I really still want to be a novelist. Mm -hmm. So I've actually written a book. Um, it is a young adult dystopian book. And my husband said it was kind of terrible. My friends were supportive, but I don't think, I think I could do something better. So like I mentioned before, I have in Evernote, I have all these book ideas. Um, so I think that would be like my dream career is to be a novelist if I could swing it because I know that that's not always, you know, the best paying job. And a lot of novelists have other jobs. But if I could make that into, you know, a career that would support me, I would love doing that. Very cool. Do you have, looking back on your whole career that we've talked about here in this in this podcast, do you have sort of a favorite professional memory or a highlight moment, something that just sort of stands out from the rest that? Uh... Oh, man. Well, so I have something that's not really related to business, but I was um, I was there for business. So I went to South by Southwest, um, and this was before I worked at SCJ, I think. And I had gone with my business partner at the time, and we, you know, paid for everything ourselves. We weren't speakers, and we went to South by Southwest Interactive, which is an awesome conference. It's kind of almost gotten too big now, but anyway, <laughs> um, we saw Rain Wilson speak. And he was talking about um, his site that is about like life development and answering life's questions. And so he had everybody tweet three of your favorite things and somebody would get like a special surprise. So anyway, I tweeted as fast as I could. And my heart was pounding and I tweeted, um, I think I tweeted books, Weezer and music, which looking back 
Weezer as a band. Weezer and music are kind of the same thing. But anyway, for some reason, they picked me and they said, Wonderwall 7, who's that? You know, come up to the stage. And my heart was going to explode out of my chest. Mm. And so <laughs> I walked up there and this was in their huge hall. So it had to have been, I want to say 2,000 people, if not more, walking me watching me walk up there to meet Rain Wilson, Rain Wilson from the office on stage. So I go up there and there's the host and Rain and there and Rain's like, we're going to have an experience together. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like what experience? And so an assistant brings out two acoustic, acoustic guitars and he, and Rain says, we're going to smash these together. Mm. Cause I bet you've never smashed a guitar before. And I was like, <laughs> no, but I mean, looking back, like you always, I mean, who doesn't want to smash a guitar? I mean, that's such like a, a wasteful thing to do that you would never just go do it. But to hear be in front of 2000 people and Rain Wilson is telling you to do it, like it was awesome. So he counts down, he's like, one, two, three, go. And we both just start like, you know, smashing it. And it's harder than you would think. Um, and so we eventually smash it and I'll try to find the link and send it to you in case you want to put it in the show notes, but Definitely. there's video, there's video of me smashing and rain already has his done and I'm like still going and <laughs> they had to tell me to stop. And, and, um, so anyway, that was just, I guess that's not really like a professional thing, but that's something that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone into digital and marketing and gone to South by Southwest interactive. Mm -hmm. And so cool. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's something really random and cool that, um, I don't know, I'll always remember that because I love The Office. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now, uh, as a new mom or somewhat new mom and wife, do you have, do you find, uh, like, any tips for, like, maintaining work-life balance? Or do you, oh, do, you still, do you still struggle with work-life balance, I should ask first? <laughs> Well, I feel like that's kind of a myth in a way. I feel like work-life balance is a myth. And what I've learned, because my son will be a, a year old next month. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like at each time, something is more important than the other. And I feel like that's probably not the best way to put it because you're talking about your child and your husband. But um, there's sometimes, you know, like I'm going to a conference. I'm leaving tomorrow and coming back Saturday where obviously that takes that's more important than my family because I'm leaving my family to go speak at this, you know, conference. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's times in your life where certain things take priority and the balance really is figuring out, is that feasible? Uh, and just staying aware of making sure that one thing isn't always more important than the other. So, um, you know, if I wanted to stay home with my son then that would obviously be a choice where my career would be put on the back burner. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, we always are both with my, our son before his bedtime. So I don't work out as much as I used to, because I'd rather be with my son, you know, from five 30 to seven when he's awake before bed. Um, so I think it's kind of like deciding what your priorities are at any given time. And that can shift during the day or the hour. Um, Cause there'll be times, you know, when I'll have to go pick up, pick him up from school early because he's sick or that's an appointment. And so I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's really a balance. It's kind of like a continuous shifting. Mm. Um, and I think one thing that's, that's really important that I, I hope everyone um, at least we talk about more, I think in our industry and just like in the professional industry as a whole is that 
um, dads are getting more and more involved and they should be more involved. And so, I mean, I've seen a lot more dads stay at home where their moms, you know, the, the wives are the breadwinners. Um, and I think the way our family structures are set up is changing. And as a result, I think uh, work is changing. So a lot of jobs, you know, that I just kind of look at, um, they're more flexible. So I've seen a lot more jobs where you're a contractor and you set your own hours, but you almost basically have the responsibility of a full-time job. Um, or I've seen, you know, full-time salary jobs where they say, um, we don't care how much you work or when you work, as long as you're accessible and you get your stuff done. And the reason why these companies are doing that is because I think everybody is kind of realizing we want to be with our family. And I think millennials especially, um, you know, everyone says millennials are the super young people, but it's actually people ages, I think it's like 25 to 35 now or 38. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually a millennial, even though I wouldn't necessarily call myself that. But I think we we want flexibility. And that's always been something that I valued. And my husband works from home. Um, he works at a full-time job, but he works from home well as well. And I work in a co-working space now. But just that flexibility that we're both not in a traditional office has just been invaluable. And it'd be really hard to go back to a traditional office because we get the flexibility. So if we need to take our son to an appointment or just, you know, yesterday, I just picked him up early from daycare because I wanted to see him. Um, so I think, I don't know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, I feel like, but I think the flexibility is what's going to provide, um, quote, work-life balance, but mm -hmm. it's more like figuring out what your priorities are and companies are learning that um, you don't have to work exactly 40 hours a week to be a good producer and a good employee. You know, some people can do as much work in 20 hours as their coworkers do in 40 hours. It just depends on how you concentrate, your pr productivity levels, um, what your priorities are, what you're getting done. Um, so I think if if you're a mother or father and you wanna have the more flexibility, I think the opportunities are out there and you can get a little creative with um, what jobs you take on or what companies you work with. And I think it's worthwhile if that's what's important for you. Excellent. Uh, how, how does Kelsey Jones relieve stress and how, are you able to ever just, you know, sometimes unplug and get away from it all or uh, do you have any sort of like stress relieving things that you do, whether something, you know, fun activity or whatever the case may be? Um, so I love reading. So I always usually have like, besides my audiobook, I usually have like another book um nonfiction like I'm reading Rachel Hollis's um Girl Stop Apologizing right now mm -hmm. and I also usually have a fiction book going um I don't have one right now because um I don't know my brain my brain capacity has changed since having a kid but um I love reading because I think that's one thing that kind of turns off the monkey mind because I've struggled with anxiety in the past and so I think reading kind of helps you stay focused on actually reading and not get distracted. So that helps me relax. And I think reading's fun too, because I'm a nerd. Um, and I love uh, working out too. So um, I do jazzercise, I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I also do like um, HIIT workouts. So I love Sean T, um, he did Insanity and he's done all these other really hard workouts. And I, I like really difficult workouts because then that helps me kind of zone out and only focus on that. And it's kind of a break from thinking about work and all the other stuff I have to do. 
Um, so those are probably the top two things that I do regularly that I really enjoy and help me kind of manage my stress. Cool. Now, I know we're up against our, our deadline here to cut off. Do you have a few more minutes? to? I just had a couple more questions and then maybe answer a couple reader questions. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. All right. I just didn't want to keep you if you had to go. Um, question for you. So best and worst piece of SEO or marketing advice that's ever been given to you? What was your best piece of advice? Or it could be about business or, you know, anything, business, marketing, SEO. What's the best piece and the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Um, one of my full-time jobs, I won't say who it was, but they were obsessed with what the competitor was doing. Mm -hmm. And the, the VP of marketing wanted us to basically base our strategy on what one of our competitors was doing because they were performing better than us. They had more sales and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that was probably the worst piece of advice is to be obsessed with your competitor mm -hmm. and only focus on what they're doing because that never gives you the opportunity to get ahead of them. You're always going to be one step behind them. Um, best advice. I would say, gosh, um, I think there is tremendous value in building a network. Um, so I guess I'm thinking of this because this is for SEJ. But um, one time I asked Lauren Baker, um, who started SEJ, I said, how do you know so many people? Because we would go to PubCon or whatever, and he would literally know everyone. And he said, you know, I've been in the um, industry for a while, but I'm also friends with everybody on Facebook. So then when we see each other at PubCon, we catch up and it's like seeing all my old friends. So after he told me that I started adding people that I knew on Facebook from the industry and I'd never done that before. I just added them on LinkedIn and I wasn't going around stalking people. I didn't know it was people that I generally had a relationship with. And so that has really helped me, um, stay, I think relevant and part of the conversation in marketing. Um, just kind of staying in touch with everyone. So I think building up a network in your industry and especially what you want to specialize in, like if you're a marketer or an SEO, becoming friends with marketers and SEOs on social media, maybe reaching out on Twitter um, if you don't know them, sending them an email, just saying, I admire what you're doing um, and asking them a question. I think, I think, in today's world where we're also online online we kind of forget that part of it and i think building relationships really 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 helps you um, both as a career if you're an in-house marketer or you work for an agency um, but also if you're building a business i mean obviously because i have um you know my friends from the, from the industry they'll refer me to stuff all the time and that's not why i'm friends with them but that is you know a benefit to having a good network is you know, then you get referrals or you get cool opportunities. Like um, I'm doing a webinar with SEM Rush in June. And so um, things just come up if you have a good network and, and really work to be an asset to them. So not, not looking at it as how can they serve me, but how can I make this a relationship? Excellent. Um, let's see. So someone's looking at you, you know, they see someone entrepreneur, well-known speaker, well-known writer. 
so what do you think is ultimately the key for someone who wants to get to, you know, sort of travel the road that you've already traveled? What would you tell them is sort of the key to success to, uh, you know, for someone who wants to make a name for themselves or just be generally successful in this industry? What do you think either the key or a couple of keys to success are? Oh, man. Um, don't be afraid to share ideas. Um even if it's kind of out of left field or you're not sure how people will take it. Cause I think sometimes ideas spur other ideas. So even if, you know, your idea doesn't work out, it might inspire an idea that works out really well for a campaign or a direction the company wants to go. Um, I would say the best marketers aren't afraid of marketing themselves. So um, don't be afraid to, you know, guest blog, like I said, or list all your accomplishments in your LinkedIn portfolio. Um, I'm always impressed by people on LinkedIn that that list direct um, numbers or data, which, of course, I don't do this. So I'm this is something I, I need to be better at. But, you know, in, in somebody's job history on their resume or their LinkedIn um, saying, you know, drove a 12 percent growth in revenue year after year or year over year, or, you know, a, a specific metric like that, um, you know, grew Twitter followers 50% in two years, you know, picking out things that you've actually accomplished, um, I think is really good and, and helps people see, okay, it kind of adds legitimacy to you. Cause I think in marketing, um, we kind of look for that and we look for, okay, well, what have you done in the past? So don't be afraid to list things like that. Um, list clients you've worked for if they allow you to do so. Um, don't be afraid to toot your own horn, I guess is what I'm getting at. So um, you, it's possible to do that without coming across as, um, you know, bragging. I think a lot of people worry about that. Um, I think you need to value your contribution to something. So a lot of obviously marketing and SEO projects are done as a team. So you can thank your team, but you also can think, hey, I was part of the team that did X, Y, Z and and value that and mention that, you know, whenever you're trying to get another job or get freelance clients because you you were a part of that and you shouldn't downplay um, your own accomplishments. Absolutely. I, it's it's so common. I see that myself. We're we are our own worst marketers. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, for we, sure. need, we need to all hire hype men for us, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, is there anything right now in SEO or digital marketing that's that's really got you excited or, you know, could be like an opportunity or some new trend that you've seen that's kind of got you excited about, um, you know, sort of the possibilities for uh, for either your clients or yourself? Oh, man. Okay, so I was just on SEM Rush's Marketing Scoop podcast earlier today. And I really am not affiliated with them. I know I've mentioned them a couple of times in this podcast, but they are really cool over there. But um, one thing that we talked about is, I guess, it, and I haven't even looked into this because I've just been so busy this week with my conference happening. Um, I guess at Google I.O. it was announced that Google's going to start indexing um, snippets of um, audio. So like podcast episodes. So mm -hmm. then when people search, it will bring up recordings um, of, you know, podcasts or whatever. And so, and videos on YouTube. And so like when you click through, I guess it will 
um, bring up you to the exact moment when it's mentioned in the YouTube video. And I think that's so awesome. I know it kind of scares people because there's been paranoia about how well, Amazon Alexa or you know Google Home or whatever is always listening to you, but I feel like our phones have been doing that for years anyway. Um, but I think there's a lot of possibilities there. Um, so I'm excited to see how that plays out. And I've always loved podcasts. I mean, I loved my time as being one of the hosts for Search Engine Nerds. And um, I'm launching another podcast, which I don't want to get too much into right now, but it's about um, self-employed uh, business owners and mothers. So that's what we're going to talk about. And so I think podcasting is starting to be taken more seriously. Um, I think it used to kind of be like, oh, yeah, some guys just talking about you know, their collections somewhere in a basement. But now it's like for businesses, they're realizing, okay, this is a legitimate thing. Um, it's going to start being, you know, indexed by Google. Um, let's take this seriously. And so I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out and how podcasters and businesses kind of work together to navigate all the possibilities that come with that. Excellent. Uh, what do you love the most about our, our lovely little industry? Is there anything that, you know, what, what just generally excites you about, you know, working with the people and, you know, SEO and marketing? Uh, I like how curious everyone is. I like how everyone's always looking to the future, um, because I've been in, you know, more traditional businesses where they, you know, begrudgingly did digital marketing because they felt like they had to. But I feel like the people that are actually in the industry are really excited to do it and they want to do cool stuff and they want to um, see what the next big thing is and how they can be a part of it and what they can learn. And so I like that, um, that it's it's really a community of learners and curious people and I mentioned this earlier, but everyone's really supportive. And if you say you're struggling or you need help or you have a question, uh, people won't hesitate to help you and take time out of their day to help you. And so um, I really appreciate that. And it makes me feel valued and proud to be part of our industry. And where do you think we could be doing better? Like if you were in charge of our industry for a day or whatever, like what would you like to see improved? Um, so the one thing that popped into my mind is more women speakers. So at tech conferences or marketing conferences, um, there's still a big disconnect um, between the number of, of male speakers versus female. And I don't necessarily think women should just get slotted into a spot because they're a woman. But I think going out of your way to find more women speakers because they're out there. Um, is really important. And I think also representing other um, aspects of diversity as well. So race, um, you know, disabilities, anything else that we could do to really be more inclusive, um, I would say is is something that I would I would try to focus on. Excellent. Okay, I have just a, a few reader questions. I put the word out that I was interviewing you and got lots of good questions. So, um, First one here I got from Casey Gillette of Co-Marketing, also a search engine journal contributor. She wants to know, as a content writer, how do you get up to speed so quickly on a client's business? Hmm. I love Casey. She's awesome. She is awesome. Um, yeah. Um, 
So whenever I'm in a new industry that I don't know, I tell the client to just send me everything. And I'm kind of like, you know, in the summer when you were a kid, you drink out of the hose. At least that's what we used to do. Um, and it just be like spraying all over you. That's how I kind of feel with information. So I tell the client to send me literally everything you have. And so I kind of use that fire hose mentality to sort of get, you know, dive in head first to a new industry. So I have them send me everything that they can, you know, past data, um, past things that they've tried and failed, um, any ebooks or case studies they've done, um, things that they struggled with that they don't think were, you know, did well, um, things they think went great. Um, so I do that. And then I, I learn really well in the moment. So a lot of times if I'm writing content for a client, for example, um, they'll give me the information and then I kind of learn by doing. So as I go along, I'll do the research and that kind of helps me not only learn about it, but I think um, provide, you know, good content for the client because I'm actually re researching it myself. So I kind of approach it, you know, almost as like a college student learning something new. I mean, it's almost researching what books are out there, what articles are all Google terms. I don't I don't know what they are. So, you know, a lot of um, B2B or industrial clients will use acronyms and I'll just I'll literally look up every acronym or everything. I don't know what it is um, just so I can kind of get a better idea as to what it means. And I think as I go along with clients, I get more and more um, educated about their industry. Okay, Stephen Van Vessen uh, from Content King, also a search engine journal contributor. Uh, he wanted to know, um, do you have any con uh, tips when it comes to content pruning? Content pruning? I would say um, don't be afraid to kill your darlings. And I think that's from Stephen King um, when it, he talks about writing. But just because you wrote something five years ago doesn't mean it's good now. And don't be afraid to say, okay, we got to take this down. Um, I think thinking of things objectively from like how this serves your audience, I think that's more important than, oh, it's, we spent so much time putting this together. Mm -hmm. um, you know or what your, I mean? Like your ego for sure. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah. don't think of it as, don't think of all the time that you spent writing it or creating something, think of how it serves your audience now. Mm -hmm. Okay, we also have a question from Mr. J.D. Prater, evangelist at Quora. He wants to know, how does reading books make you better professionally? And he also <laughs> asks, what about audiobooks? I'm wondering if he asked that, because I just wrote a blog post about that on Six Stories. Um, and that was literally the titles, pretty much. So oh. I'm wondering if he if he did it for that. But um, I think, so there's been studies that reading um, obviously increases your vocabulary and it makes you a better writer and a better communicator um, just because, you know, there's connections between reading something and verbalizing it or writing it out. And so I think in that way, it can definitely help you. Um, it can help you creatively. Um, if you want to learn something new, of course, which I've mentioned several times over this podcast, um, researching stuff, that you don't know um, is really important. And just because you don't know something, you shouldn't just forget about it or move on to something else. I think it's worthwhile to do the research and figure out what it is if you're not sure. A uh, question from Mr. Stoney DeGeiter. 
uh, of the Karcher Group and also another SEJ contributor. Uh, what are your most and least favorite aspects of digital marketing? Um, I, I don't like in SEO how everybody um, freaks out about like um, what Gary Esh says. Mm. And I know that's how you pronounce his name because I asked him. <laughs> um, not Isles, that's what everyone thinks it is. Um, and then, or like what so and so says on Twitter, or so and so released this data. So it means that um, this isn't happening, you know, like this isn't allowed in SEO anymore. I think we tend to kind of catastrophize things mm-hmm. in digital marketing. And so I think um, we have enough data, we've been around long enough that we can see what the best practices are and what it all comes down to is focusing on the audience and putting them first instead of you know some nefarious goal that you have and so that's something that annoys me um the best thing and i guess it's a two sides of the same coin because the best thing is all the new stuff that keeps coming out so like the indexing the podcast like i mentioned that's new um, i know scj has a messenger bot on facebook that's kind of relatively new. Um, there's always new things to kind of look at and see if that would work for your company and your marketing strategy. And that's, I really like that because it keeps me interested. Um, there's always new stuff to learn and something that might not work for one client could work for another. Um, so I like that there's different platforms that work for different clients and there's always new things to try just to see if you know a certain strategy or platform would work for you. And our final reader question, Pauline Jacober from uh, Group 27, also another SEJ contributor. What are what are your top three content marketing tips? Oh man, um, do your research beforehand to make sure that the topic you're covering um, is something people actually want to read. Because I think sometimes um, we we since we're in our industry, we forget that what we think is interesting or, you know, what we know is different than what our audience knows or finds interesting. So definitely do research, Um, invest in um, tools and um, like computers that make writing easier and um, just creation of campaigns easier. So if there's a paid tool out there, but you feel, and it really helps you um, with research or coming up with campaign ideas, it's worth the price Um, or spending more on a computer because you like the keyboard better than another keyboard. If that's going to help you write better, um, then it's worth it. And um, third tip, third tip, I would say, Um, always be repurposing your content. So um, too many people, I think, publish a content, share the article, and then on social media, and then they're done. And I actually did a couple webinars about this at SEJ. Um, But there's tons of other things you can do with content after it's already created. So um, social media images, infographics, um, recording a podcast episode about, you know, an article you wrote that got a good response. Um, creating discussion questions about the topic and doing polls on Twitter, um, kind of extending the life of your content, I think is really important. And a lot of people forget that. I think a lot of companies are so focused on the actual production of content. The promotion of it goes by the wayside, but I think they're just as important. 
Excellent. So um, just to wrap it up here, um, remind people where they can find you on social media or if they want to connect with you. And uh, if there's anything else uh, you want to uh, talk about, um, I would be curious a little bit to hear a little bit about your live social media course, if you want to talk a little bit about that closing too. Yeah, so I'm pretty much uh, Wonderwall7 on every social media platform. And then I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, the URL is slash in slash Kelsey Childress, which is my maiden name. If you guys want to add me on LinkedIn, um, just include a note so I know who you are. Um, and then my social media course, I launched that last year. Um, it's called, you can go find it at livesocialmediacourse.com. And so it's a course on everything you need to know about live streaming and social media. So we go over um, what platforms you can use, which platform you specifically should use, um, how to set goals and track metrics, you know, what exact metrics should you be looking at, um, how to promote your upcoming live streams, and then going back to repurposing, like I mentioned, um, how you can repurpose your live streams to create even more content and reach even more people. Excellent. All right. So uh, just in closing, uh, before we sign off, I want to thank you personally, Kelsey, because back in 2016, I actually found myself unexpectedly looking for a job. And uh, you were <laughs> one of the people who reached out to me. And ultimately, I ended up becoming a, a news writer for Search Engine Journal. So um, I am so grateful to you for reaching out to me so quickly. It, uh I was at one of those points in my own career where I was feeling quite uncertain about myself that you were talking about earlier. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you basically helped restore a bit of my own faith in me after I had had yeah. kind of an interesting couple of years. So I uh, just wanted to say I really enjoyed our time working together at Search Engine Journal. Uh, I think you did a fabulous job as executive editor. Uh, and if not, if not for all Thank that you. you did for SEJ, you know, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing at SEJ today. So. Uh, thanks to everything that you've done to help Search Engine Journal, and of course, everything that you're doing for uh, to help our industry. So, oh well, thank you. Yeah, it was great working with you, and I always looked up to you. You were always one of the people that I would have been nervous to meet. Um, you know, when I was just a marketer starting out and getting into SEO. So, it's awesome that you know the people that we respect can turn into our friends and. Um, I love SCJ and everything you guys continue to do. And yeah, it's been awesome to be able to kind of look back at my own career, um, you know, and just see what I've accomplished and thinking about what's next. Yep. So what is next for Kelsey? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of good um, client work, but you know, the future is uncertain. I mean, I could see myself working full time for another company if it was the right fit. Mm -hmm. um, I'd prefer to work remote uh, if I could, but I, I would definitely not say no to that. Um, I think working with the right people is always a little bit more important than what exactly you're doing, at least in my opinion, because I feel like whenever I work with the right people, whether it's a client or when I worked at SCJ, um, it really inspires me and, makes me feel like I do a better job because I just enjoy collaborating with, you know, the team. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, um, you know, just being open opportunities, hopefully I'll do a lot more writing, um, a lot more teaching and speaking. Um, that's kind of what I've sort of, you know, moved towards a little bit further is 
um, you know, creating strategy and educating the industry and at, you know, dirt with courses or public speaking engagements. So I like that. So I could see myself doing more of that as well. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure whatever you choose, uh, you'll do fantastic at it. So best of luck to you as you uh, continue going along. And uh, Kelsey, really, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story. I sincerely appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners do as well. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so that does it for us. Uh, I hope you'll tune in again next time. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And you can also follow Search Engine Journal at Search Engine Journal on Twitter. And you can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn, of course. And you can follow me as well at Mr. Danny Goodwin on Twitter. So thanks to everyone for listening today. I really appreciate it. So long, everybody. Bye.